Well, as they take their seats, if you would take your copy of God's Word, and we are going to turn to the book of Zechariah, have a few different verses that we're going to go to this morning, uh, have somewhat of a New Year's theme. Uh, I've got several, I don't want you to make all of these commitments, but if you wanted to make all of these commitments, you'd be welcome to. I've got a few things that I want to walk through um, that I think would be good for us to reflect on going into the new year. And hopefully, uh, you'll give some thought to uh, picking out one or two of them and maybe making those some sort of New Year's commitment uh, going into 2015. Can you believe one week it'll be 2015? How many of you thought we'd have flying cars and such by 2015 when you were a kid? Nobody wants to admit it, but we did. At least hovercraft cars. No. The engineer didn't. Uh, she knew. <laughs> That's funny. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump in and get started. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for all of the blessings you've given us as a church. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us uh, as individuals as well. Father, I pray that as we walk through several passages in your word, Lord, I pray that we would um, have open hearts and open minds to make purposeful commitments to you throughout this next year. And Father, we pray all this, uh, all for your glory, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, in the book of Zechariah, go ahead and turn to Zechariah chapter 4. In the new year, uh, people make all sorts of New Year's commitments, New Year's resolutions. If you were to probably Google the top few, I didn't, but I could take a stab at it, uh, having been on earth for a while. Uh, most people want to lose weight. Most people want to get out of debt. Most people want to uh, live healthier lives, exercise more. Uh, most people want to stop smoking, stop drinking. Any sort of habit that people have that they don't exactly want in their life. They make that effort come the new year. Uh, if you were to look at the YMCA's books, you would probably find that most people join the YMCA uh, come January 1st. You'll find most people that are avid gym goers avoid the gym the first two weeks of the new year because all of the newbies are at the gym. And then they get back going to the gym the middle of January by the time everybody else has dropped off on their commitments. Everybody know that's how things work? Yep. All right. So going into the new year, there's a couple things that I would like uh, for you to give some thought to as a church. One of the things, uh, and I'm going to get it out of Zechariah chapter 4. Listen to this. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So to give you a little bit of background, what's going on is that the people have been released from captivity. Hopefully when we turn to a book like Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, hopefully now you remember these are post-exile prophets, right? That's the first thing that kicks into your mind, that the temple's being rebuilt and that the people have been freed from exile in Babylon and Assyria. So anyways, they're getting ready to rebuild the temple and now you have God giving the word of the Lord to this governor saying that the temple of the Lord is going to be rebuilt, but it's not by might and it's not by power. What that means is that the deck is stacked against them, but God says it's by his power and his spirit that this is going to happen. And so going into the new year, the only way that we as Christ followers have access to God's spirit and God's power is through prayer. And I think that we should make a commitment to praying more as a church. 
And so one of the ways that we pray as a church is on our Wednesday night service. Now, I don't want to beat you over the head, always telling you about our Wednesday night service, our Wednesday night service, our Wednesday night service. Uh, I went to church for a couple of years, and I felt like the pastor thought if I went to church Sunday morning and I went to Sunday school and I went to church on Wednesday night, then I was a good Christian. I felt like that was what the preacher expected of me. I expect way more from you than that, just so you know. That uh, if you're just coming to church for Sunday school, church, and then Wednesday night, that's just the beginning of what I think that God has in store for you. There's a life of faith that God wants you to live that is out of this world. And those three venues help you in that walk of faith that you're taking. And so what I'd like to see us commit to is Wednesday night. Just so you know, Wednesday night, is probably the main way that I gauge our health as a church. We could fill up this auditorium or this sanctuary. And if nobody in the church wanted to come on Wednesday night to pray for the souls of lost people, I would tell you that we're probably failing as a church. Wednesday night is when we plead for our lost friends and family. And so a couple things that I'd like you to give thought to. Maybe you don't come at all on Wednesday night and you're not actively praying with us as a group for our lost friends and family. Maybe that's you. I'd like to see you come and participate. Maybe you come on Wednesday night and you're not actively praying for lost friends and family. Listen, I don't want to have a Wednesday night service for our church where I have to convince everybody that we should be praying for lost friends and family. I would love to see our church family broken over the souls of their lost friends and family. And they show up to Wednesday night ready to pray for their souls. You see, we believe this book says that you are either a follower of Christ and when you die, you go to heaven. Or you are not a follower of Christ, and when you die, you spend an eternity in hell. And I would love to see us in the new year so broken and concerned for our lost friends and family that we beg God on Wednesday night for the souls of our friends and family. And listen, if we won't be broken over the souls of our friends and family, there's a whole world out there that we cannot say that we care about if we don't care about our own friends and family. Because you can't care about someone you haven't seen if you don't care about the people that you see. And so that's one of the things that I'd like us to do. And the only way that we can grow spiritually, the only way that we can grow and reach other lost friends and family members in the world outside this building is if we do it not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit and by God's power. Amen? And so that should be something that I would love to see us strive for uh, in the new year. The other thing comes out of the book of Acts. Turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 is a completely different commitment I'd like for you to think about going into the new year. Going into the new year, I'd like you to consider making some tough decisions. It is easy. To go through life and take the easiest path possible, right? It's easy to very much times be passive and just go with the flow. You ever heard that? If you go with the flow, where does that all lead? 
when sewage leaves your house, it goes with the flow, and it all goes downhill to where the town collects all of the sewage. And so if you're always going with the flow, chances are you're going downhill towards somewhere where you don't ultimately desire. And so let's make some tough decisions in this new year. And listen to Paul. Paul had a tough decision ahead of him. And listen to the way that he handled it. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. And so Paul is saying that he, in his spirit, knows that he has to go to Jerusalem. But everything in his body and in every city he goes to, he's told that bonds and afflictions are waiting for him. But he doesn't just go with the flow. He sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Listen to why he does it. Verse 24. He does it. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. So that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly to the gospel of the grace of God. And so why don't we as God's people make a decision going into the new year that we are going to make difficult decisions because we don't count our lives. What does he say here? I want to make sure I get it right. That we don't consider our lives wait for it, of any account is dear to ourselves, but we value finishing God's task for our life more than we value our own life. What if we were those types of people? And there's all sorts of difficult decisions you could make. You may be surrounded by toxic people. This is not the time to elbow your neighbor, right? You may be surrounded by toxic people and you may be involved in toxic relationships where you need to get away from the people that are bringing you down. Listen, it is difficult to do this. This is why I'm making this number one on make tough decisions. Some of your friends you have had since high school and they've done nothing but plague you in your relationship. You may be striving to follow Christ and when you're around them, they may bring you down. Anybody have friends like that? Okay, only me. Uh, So sometimes we need to make a break. And sometimes we need to make tough decisions and be very intentional about making new friends going into a new year. There's other things. Some of you may have addictions that you need to fight off. Some may be uh, alcohol, maybe pain medication. Maybe there's a slew of other things that we may be addicted to as people and we need to stop going into the new year. But it takes a firm decision For us to say today is the last day that I am going to be addicted to any substance. You see, in youth ministry, uh, there's always this wide array of kids. Sometimes you have this one kid who has been to church every single day of their life for 18 years. And some of those kids are actually walking with the Lord and they're thriving. And then you have, over on the other spectrum, you have kids that have somehow wandered into church and you have no idea how they got there, right? They're 100% worldly and you are excited out of your mind to see them. And when you give a push, you have one kid who's following Christ better than you are and you have another child who doesn't even know who Christ is. And you try to push all of the children 
and you don't know what to do. And the same thing is true with a church like us. We have probably the youngest person in the room is about five or six right now. I'm not even going to guess what the oldest person is in the room. And we have, we're all in different walks of life. In a youth group, you have some kids who over the course of the next year, if they would stop doing drugs and smoking and hanging out with certain friends, that's really all they need to concentrate on this year. And you have a whole different group of people who need to make off-the-chart commitments to God, and maybe they need to follow God into full-time ministry of some way, shape, or form. And so wherever you are when it comes to making a commitment, make some sort of commitment to grow in the next year. Maybe it's something small you need to stop. Maybe it's something big you need to start doing. Some of us might need to lose some weight. You're like, whoa, preacher, this is, these are spiritual concerns. You're getting in my personal life now. We have had funerals in our church where many of you afterwards told me that person took better care of the people around them than they did themselves. And truth be told, we as God's people, you as the temple of God, we need to take care of our bodies. And listen to this. I don't get off on on overeating and weight and all that stuff much. Your health is many times directly tied to your weight. Listen, I have been there. I have been in the place where things don't feel right and you lose 10 pounds and all those bad feelings go away. It matters to the people around you how well you take care of your body. It matters. Now, I'm not saying that we need to look like a bunch of photoshopped people on the front of magazines, but we need to be the type of people that care about our bodies because we care about our families around us. And listen, if you die prematurely because you didn't take care of yourself, you have a family that you're leaving behind that is going to be devastated. And if you have children, you have a responsibility to those children no matter how old they are. And so sometimes we need to make very tough decisions and maybe drop a few pounds going into the new year. Boy, you could drop a pin in here and you could hear it loud and clear. Let me tell you this. Just recently, over the last year, I'm going to get a little personal with you. I have lost about 15 pounds over the last year. Now, over the holidays, I picked some of it back up. Um, I was, I liked it. Anyways. But I lost a little bit of weight. Let me tell you the most successful way that I've ever experienced any sort of weight loss. I identified gluttony in my life as a sin. Right? Remember I told you that if you ever talked to me and you ever wanted any sort of counseling, that we would go here. And remember I told you that when we align our lives with here, everything else normally fits right into place. When I identified Gluttony is a sin, and I identified overeating as a lack of self-control, and I prayed for self-control. I lost weight the easiest I have ever lost it. We eat a ton of food as Americans, and we need self-control from God in order not to do it, because the food we eat is awesome. We live in the South, and people cook good fried chicken. And it is not a sin to eat it. It's just a sin to eat the whole chicken. Okay? 
You with me? And so this is where I'm going with that. We need to be people who live our lives by this book. And sometimes when we overindulge, it's a sin. And we all could stand to have a little bit of self-control in our lives. You don't have to go out and buy the newest treadmill. And you don't have to go out and buy fancy gadgets. We need self-control and we lose weight. Piece of cake. But you don't sell books and treadmills and all that stuff when people tell you that. I didn't exercise a bit when I lost a bunch of weight. It was merely self-control. And I need it back. Here we go. Let's keep going. Some of us need to, when it comes to making tough decisions, just like Paul, we need to look at our work life and our family life. Some of us need... I was going to say some of us need a job, but... Some of us need to go to work. That's what we need. Some of the people in our community need to go to work. Some of you maybe need to ease off working so much and spend more time with family. My son looked me dead in the eyes the day after Christmas and said, Dad, I like it when you're off work. And I was like, wow. Listen to this. When it comes to making tough decisions... Many of your children and many of your grandchildren would rather you give them half the presents and play with the one toy that you give them for a certain amount of time. They would rather have you playing with them than a truckload of toys. And you can take that to the bank. Your children and your grandchildren want time from you. And that is more valuable than any Hot Wheels more value than any iPod, iPad than you could ever give them. And so keep that in mind as we go into this new year making tough decisions. You don't always have to be around the house fixing something. You don't always have to be at work earning money. You can turn down overtime sometimes. Other things, difficult decisions that we need to do. Sometimes we need to as God's people. And now I'm, I'm going to stop preaching to you for a minute and I'm going to preach to me for a minute. Sometimes we need to figure out what the best things to do are and do more of the best things than a lot of good things. Any given day, I have 100 at least good things around my desk that I could do. And I have to make tough, and you have to make tough decisions too about where to spend your time because you don't get any more of it than God has already given you, okay? And so we as people have to decide how many good things that we're going to do because whenever you're doing good things, sometimes you're putting the best thing off and you're not doing it. And so sometimes we need to buckle down and we need to pray and we need to seek God's guidance on what things he actually wants us to do instead of just assuming that every good thing that comes across your desk you're supposed to do. That makes sense? And the same thing is true with your work and with your family and everything else also. We need to be a people who grab the bull by the horns and we direct our life as the Holy Spirit directs us. That we don't just get off on every tangent that comes along. And these are tough decisions to make. And so all those are lumped into, we as God's people need to make incredibly tough decisions. This one, uh, this one hits a little more home, number three. Turn over to First Chronicles, way back in the Old Testament. We haven't been into Chronicles in a long time. First Chronicles chapter 12. There's something tucked away in there 
that I think is going to be very interesting to you. First Chronicles chapter 12. David is about to be king in the book of Chronicles. David is on his way ascending to the throne. And in Chronicles chapter 12, they stop and they start counting people. In Chronicles chapter 12, verse 22. So First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 22. It says, For day by day men came to David to help him until there was a great army like the army of God. And so you learn that the reason that the writer of Chronicles is counting these people is because these people kept coming to David and they were helping David. And then eventually all these people are around and there's a great army of God. And listen to this certain type of people that came to help David. This is over in verse 32, chapter 12, verse 32. Of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge and of what Israel should do, Their chiefs, who were 200, and all their kinsmen were at their command. And so of the sons of Issachar, there were men who understood the times with knowledge and of what Israel should do. Listen to this. In order for David to be successful, he was surrounded by at least 200 of these men who understood the times. They were in touch with culture, and they knew exactly what they should do. Now, I'm going to use some illustrations in a minute. And I want you to listen to the heart of what I'm saying. I'm not recommending any change. I just want you simply to hear what I'm saying. And I want you to think of this in light of the culture. We are a church. We are God's people gathered together. And our purpose is to make God's name great among the nations. Right? And it doesn't matter. Let me get, make sure I get this right. And it doesn't matter what the cost. We need to make God's name great. And we're not just supposed to take God's name to people who are just like us. We're supposed to take God's name and make it great everywhere. Right? Betsy plays this organ phenomenally. I like this organ. Right? Everybody understand I like the organ? Everybody got it. Give me some head nods. How many of you on your iPod playlist have organ music? Nobody. Many of you right now are thinking, see, he doesn't realize I don't even have an iPod. Right? That means that you are behind where our culture is. Just because you don't have something doesn't mean that the rest of the world doesn't have it. The rest of the world does things completely different than we do. The only time I hear organ music is when I come to church on Sunday morning. Is that a bad thing? No, I enjoy Betsy playing the organ and the piano being played. I think it's very worshipful. Is that, are things like that going to keep us from reaching the nations around us and the people around us? Are we concerned with people and not just the culture that they have? We as people going into the new year need to not be concerned with where people's pants are as long as they're on. Amen? Whether they're halfway on or all the way on doesn't need to be on our radar screen. What needs to be on our radar screen is, man, isn't it great that that person has pants? Hear me now. We have a tape at our house. My son brought home a tape from the library. And he said, can we listen to this? And I said, sure. And then I thought, hmm, we don't have a tape player. And do you know what my immediate next thought was? 
I'll go to church and borrow a tape player. Now, why would I say, why would I immediately think, I'll go to church and borrow a tape player? Because a lot of times we're still using tape players at church. Now, am I upset that we have a tape player at church? No, I'm grateful because I was able to take it home and let my son listen to a tape. This is where I'm getting with this. Sometimes we need to, as a church and as a body of believers, we need to know where the culture is so that we can reach it. You see, one of the problems that missionaries ran into 50, 60, 70 years ago is that missionaries went to Africa and they didn't just take the gospel, but they tried to make all of the Africans look like Americans. And that's not the gospel. This gospel is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And it doesn't matter what they look like or what their culture is. Jesus Christ came into the world to save them. And our job as Kashai Baptist Church, this is where I'm getting with all of those illustrations. Our job as Kashai Baptist Church is not to make people look like us and like the same things we like. Our job is to tell them about Christ so that they can be saved. And when you get saved, it doesn't matter how you wear your clothes. And it doesn't matter what music you listen to. What matters is that you repent of your sins and you follow the Savior. And just because someone likes something different from you doesn't mean it's a sin. Oftentimes, this is going to hurt. Oftentimes, the people that are sinning in Scripture are the people who are so set in their ways, they're not open to anybody else. And we called them the Pharisees. And so going into the next year, I'm not saying that we change anything. I'm just saying that we take an assessment and we see where we are and we see where the culture is. And we don't try to get the culture to be like us. Rather, we go into the world so that the world can be saved. Make good sense? All right. Let's keep going. Now, we're going to go on to number four. And there's only five in case you're keeping count. John chapter 21. John chapter 21 says this. Verse 20. And Peter... John chapter 21, verse 20. And Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one also who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? And so they're walking along down the street. Peter sees somebody, and he's walking with Jesus, and he says, Lord, what about that guy? And Jesus said to him, verse 22, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren, that the disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? And so going into the new year, out of John chapter 21, verse 20, do this, try this on, and I think you'll like it. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Look around the room. God created you unlike anybody else around you. 
And so going into the new year, don't compare yourself to a bunch of other people. When Peter compares himself to somebody else, Jesus says, What is that to you? You follow me. Listen, when you're studying to to preach God's word and all of these other things, there are a ton of things that people want you to try and people want you to do. And this is, this is one of the things that comes down to spiritual disciplines. You all know that praying and fasting, and you're familiar with a bunch of spiritual disciplines, but there's one of the old spiritual disciplines that everybody that I know does and I can't bring myself to do. Journaling. People are like, oh, you should journal to grow spiritually. Many of you probably keep journals. I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't bring myself to collect my thoughts and put them in a book. I just can't do it. It helps some of you to get things off your mind more than you would ever imagine. I'm going to tell you something else that I couldn't do. When I was friends with your previous pastor, Jimmy Campbell, that rascal would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and take off walking and pray for an hour straight. And for years, I was jealous. I was like, man, I'm not a spiritual guy. I can't wake up at 4.30 and walk around and pray. Then he had kids and didn't wake up at 4.30 and go pray. And I said, ha, gotcha. But anyways, we as people have got to stop comparing ourselves to other people. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And so you need to be content with who you are. You need to stop looking around at other people. There's always going to be somebody who has a nicer boat than you. There's always going to be somebody who has a better this than you. Relax. God made you to be you. Not to be everybody else. And so just relax and you follow Christ. And wherever that takes you, I promise you that that will be absolutely glorious. Because... Now go over to John chapter 10, back a couple pages. This is John chapter 10, verse 10. And so you follow Christ wherever he takes you. And John 10, 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Brothers and sisters, going into this new year. Christ wants you to have life, and he wants you to have life abundantly. And all of the things that I talked about, all of the, call them resolutions, call them commitments, whatever you want, but if you will find yourself praying more, if you'll find yourself making difficult decisions in order to strive to be more Christ-like, if you'll look at the culture around you and stop trying to change people to be like you, but rather take the gospel to them, If you'll quit comparing yourself to others, I think what you'll find is that Christ came to set you free from all of those things. And when he sets you free from all of those things, he gives you life abundantly. And so if you're here and you think I'm just talking a bunch of self-help junk and how could any of that help you at all? Listen, we serve a Savior who was God's Son.
And he came to earth and he died on a cross to save us of our sins and to set us free from all of the things that hinder us. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you become one of his children, he gives you a more abundant life than you could ever ask for. And so this New Year's, you're not, this sounds selfish, but you're not just doing these things for yourself so that you can stop doing things, but you're selfishly doing these things so that you can have the best life you could ever imagine. And so I hope going into the new year that you'll give some consideration to these things. Uh, Shoot, I hope that you'll pick up on all of them and do them. But remember what I said earlier. If you only pick one or two things and you keep the ball rolling towards Christ, you always want to be moving towards Christ. So take a few of them. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't overdo it. But make some commitments and let's stick with them through this new year. Amen? If you're here and you have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love to introduce you to the Savior who came so that he could give you life and give you life abundantly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you did not come to put a heavy yoke on us, but you came to set us free from sin. You came so that we could have life and that we could have life abundantly. God, I pray for us as a church that you would help us to pray more. Lord, I help that you would, I pray that you would help us to make tough decisions. I pray that you would help us not to try to make the world like us, but I pray that you would give us a heart to take you to the rest of the world. God, I pray that you would help us to have that life and have that life abundantly. And Lord, I pray that we would never, never have a steady diet of comparing ourselves to others. But Lord, I pray that we would compare ourselves to your son. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you would stand for a hymn of invitation. Well, it was a pleasure again worshiping the Lord with you. I hope that you had a great holiday season and I hope it uh, continues well on into the new year for you. I enjoy seeing you guys all the time. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Jack Powell, would you close us in prayer?